again, and welcome to another episode of Knowing God with Heart and Mind, that regular visit to the virtual church classroom at Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. I'm Pastor Dan. I'm joined by my beautiful daughter, Bethany, who helps me each week as we discuss this current book study of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, affectionately known as Jack. And we are on episode uh, 27, and we're looking at book four of Mere Christianity and chapter four, Good Infection. So, Bethany, we are moving right along here on this book, and uh, looks like the first question is, well, um, a little complicated. Oh, good. <laughs> um so if you've been reading along with us in Mere Christianity, then this will make more sense to you. But the position of book B above the table is the result of book A that is underneath it. God the Son is the result of being begotten by God the Father. But the cause in each case, book A, or God the Father, did not come before the respective result. Can you explain that? I mean, I feel like you kind of just did. He's just saying that in most cases, when you're talking cause and effect, it's cause, then effect, the result. But in this case, cause and effect isn't a thing because... It's always been that way. Like, he says, the Son exists because the Father exists, but there was never a time before the Father produced the Son. So, mm -hmm. yes, Jesus exists because God created him, but there was never a time when that didn't happen. Hadn't happened. So, again, it's that timey, weird, wimey awesomeness. Well, but, you know, given where we were the last episode... I could dumb it down from my, you know, which is my specialty is dumbing it down. I have to bring it down to where I can grasp it. And, uh, you know, I just, I hate to say it this way, but it's one of those things where if you're really going to try to debate whether or not God came first and then the sun as though it was a linear thing, then you have to ask yourself, if that can even be true, if God is separate from everything that God created, mm -hmm. which is, I think, the, the the essential thing that Jack's trying to tell us here is that, you know, you you can't presume that God is moving in a linear mm -hmm. direction. He, God's not a car moving down a highway. God's not a train moving down the tracks. It's not as though God started before creation at some point we'll call point a and has been moving towards point b ever since god just is which means that that which god has begotten is mm -hmm. and that's really the gist of this yeah. right okay well you know if you're really trying to grasp god then that's an important thing to get through um, to get you through to, to you know, the more, uh, I don't want to say practical, but, you know, 
you gotta it, it i think i'm just repeating something i've said in previous episodes it's just that it's like once you can understand that god is entirely separate from everything god created then it puts everything else in a good perspective mm-hmm. i agree so people's use of god as love is meaningless unless god is what two people because like way back we talked about love being something that's shared between like more than one person right and so if if we say god is love then that kind of implies that before god was more than one person he wasn't love (laughs) so it's not really accurate and he says he thinks that what people really mean is love is god Mm. Which is a better thing to say, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you can't say that God is love if you're if you're saying it in, with the implication that God. Well, you like you have to be assuming God's more than one person to say that because our understanding, our human understanding of love, is that it has to be shared between people. Yeah, the way that the way that Jack puts it is living that that God is love means that God is that that his love is a living dynamic activity mm-hmm. that's been going on in God forever mm-hmm. and has created everything else. Mm-hmm. And so another way you could put it is is that that the driving force behind everything God does is love. Mhm. Which kind of makes that whole, um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, you know, meaning that the very love that drove God into, drove God to create is also the force that drives God to save what God has created. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what third person grows out of the love dance joint life of the father and the son? Mm. Yeah, I like the whole love dance thing. He talks about how he thinks this is a side thing kind of, but he talks about how he thinks this is a really significant part of what makes Christianity different than other religions. Because he talks about how the Christian idea of God, the Christian God isn't static and it's not like our idea of God is not even that he's a person, but this like, he, he describes it as a dynamic pulsating activity. Hmm. Um, that, and it's that dance. But so he says that that's a significant difference. Whereas other great religions, this, you know, their idea of God is very static still yeah i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna really step out onto a dangerous precipice here um you remember that movie from a few years ago by james cameron called avatar Mm-hmm. and it got a lot of criticism i don't know by people who care about things that i'm not educated or care about enough to know what i'm talking about you know that that it was a ripoff of what Pocahontas. Oh, or... it was pretty much Pocahontas. Okay. Well, it, I mean, it really was. 
was. Okay. All right. Well, the plot was very similar. So all that being said, I I don't dispute that. Okay, but what I liked about it, and this is the this is why this is dangerous because I don't want people to think that I'm promoting animism or you know any of these sort of pagan beliefs that's not my point but deep inside the story there was this one thing that was really compelling to me and it was the idea that that everything is connected um that they could literally plug into everything and everything could plug into them mm -hmm. you, you know what i mean and that was really compelling to me because i thought you know if not for sin, then everything God would, everything that God created would be connected, and they that that it would all be aware that it's connected. You know what I mean? That mm -hmm. there'd be no, uh, I mean, it's it's the lamb lying down with the lion, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? And so that part of the movie has always compelled me, and it's the one reason I'll go back and look at it again. Otherwise, it is really just a very entertaining good versus evil kind of movie mm -hmm. you know but there is that one part that i really like because it's sort of an image of how god i think they called it a wa i don't remember i don't i wasn't a huge fan so i don't remember well much. again if i use the name that they gave it then people are liable to get the impression that i'm confused and so all I'm really saying is, is I love the idea that God was intimately connected with everything God created and that everything God created was intimately connected with everything else God created. And I like that. Mm -hmm. And and I like that it's illustrated in this movie as they literally have this appendage that they can plug into other parts of creation so that they are intimately connected. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like that. And I like thinking that that's what it'll be like when all of creation is restored and, you know, upgraded to God's original specifications. Well, kind of with that, I just listened to a book that was all about, like, coupling indigenous wisdom with science mm -hmm. and plant science and stuff. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. And obviously... With indigenous wisdom, there's that pagan part, too. But I do think that the indigenous peoples, especially of North America and stuff, they they weren't wrong with their connection to nature. And no, I do kind of think that it will be like that. I think that most of the world's, I'm reluctant to say religions, you know, because religions are almost as geopolitical as as other ideologies so mm -hmm. i don't like the word religion anymore because mm -hmm. because it's you know i'm i just observed yesterday as i was telling you last night i just observed how some people bring their ideology and meld it with a sort of religious fervor and then assume that that's not religion but they're acting just like people who have traditional religion mm -hmm. and so that's yeah. why i don't even like the word religion anymore but the reality is is at the core of most of the sort of moral 
uh, and uh, spiritual aspects of human existence, there are lots of commonalities. There's a uh, Ravi Zacharias is probably one of the best apologists for Christianity that I've ever heard anywhere. And Ravi Zacharias wrote a book several years ago. I think it was called the, the Lotus and the Cross or something like that. And it was a little short booklet that was about where I believe it was Hinduism. Isn't that the one that the Lotus is significant to is Hinduism? I think I don't, I'm not an expert. Maybe Buddhism. Yeah, but, but basically he was showing where there were similarities. And that knowing that gives you a basis. And he's, Robbie Zacharias is originally from that part of the mm-hmm. world. And so he was just showing how you can use these similarities to draw people closer to understanding the message of Christ mm-hmm. and the whole salvation of the world through Christ, you know. And I just find all that very interesting. And... um so anyway, yeah, I went off on a tangent, but That's if I okay. didn't do that, these episodes would be a lot shorter. <laughs> so, so um, what third person grows out of the love dance, joint life of the father and the son? And what does it all, why does it all matter? Well, he talks about the spirit growing out of that, or the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Um never really understood the Holy Ghost thing, Not but either. I guess it's a piece of terminology that came it's, out of translation. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Um, anyway. Well, so he talks about, like, how like people will talk about the spirit of a group or an organization and how that's not, like, it's kind of an inconceivable thing, but it's not, it, it's the result of a bunch of people coming together and and the way that the behavior changes or their conversation changes, um, that's different than when they're apart. It's like a communal hive mind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a real person, but it's kind of like a real person. And the difference that with with the father and the son is that the hive mind that grows out of them really is a third person. And that's the spirit, but it's the same idea. Their personality is melding together, creating something new. Um, Almost like that appendage that I was just talking about that serves as a conduit in a work of fiction. And so the conduit that connects all of creation, and in particular, and, and again, I know Christians who would jump me for this because they would say I was bordering on animism but I believe that the same love that created me created everything else I see. Mm-hmm. And that at its core, and, and I've spoken this way in a subtle, so like if you listen, I mean you literally, but then again you probably listen to me as much as anybody. But, but, but one of the things I've said for years, and every now and again I'll get a critic who will come after me about this. And I find that the criticism isn't very valid, but here's what you'll hear me say a lot if you're really paying attention because I don't make a big deal of it, but is that God saves creation, that Christ is the salvation of creation. Mm -hmm. And I I can show you in scripture exactly where I get these ideas because it's all over Paul's writings. And, and, and Paul is without a doubt Christianity's doctrine, uh, 
the father of Christian doctrine. Yeah. You know, he, he's the one that gives us our Christian doctrine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and basically the doctrine of salvation of creation says that Jesus not only saves the souls of errant sinners, but everything God created was disrupted when sin entered the world. Mm-hmm. And so his corrective act makes Christ the salvation of not only the people, but everything God created. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean that I'm going to be able to use the Holy Spirit to plug into a tree? I don't know. I doubt it. But my guess is, is that the same love that created the tree and created me does have, after salvation is complete and after creation is completely redeemed, does there there is some possibility, I guess, that I'm going to see trees in a way that I never saw them before. And I'm going to experience a tree in a way that I never experienced it before. And I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can plug in or anything. I just think it means that maybe it'll hug you back when you hug it yeah who knows i mean you know maybe the giving tree is more of a reality (laughs) than it was in the book you know and and i i don't know but i look forward to it because Mm -hmm. i figure eden must have been really incredible Mm -hmm. i mean i just can't even conceive of how it was to be in eden and and to just feel well and they wouldn't have known any different that's the thing Mm -hmm. that's interesting is we we would know the difference but 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 to have to have existed in complete harmony with all of creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know what that's like, but I can't wait to see. Yeah. You know, and I figure the Holy Spirit is, you know, I was just watching uh, while we were getting ready to come down here to make this recording and you were doing some some chores and and I was doing something I like to do in my spare time, which is watch this old house. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. And they were just showing this technology where they can uh, create uh, a sort of vacuum in your home and then they can uh, put this this uh, stuff in the air that will find its way into the cracks and then solidify so it mm-hmm. seals up all the cracks, mm-hmm. right? I could see how the Holy Spirit is like that, that it finds its way into everything, that he finds his way into everything and connects it. Mm-hmm. You know, seals the gaps. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So, so uh, how is it possible for us to be taken into the three personal life uh, to get a good infection? <laughs> well, he talks about like. He gives some different examples and he talks about, um, like if you stand close to a fire, you get warm. That's a good infection. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, if you want to get wet, you have to get in the water. And so he talks about like, if you, if you're close to the spray, you're going to get wet. And if you're not, you're going to get dry. And so he talks about like once, like we're brought in because once we are united with God. That's it. Like, how could you not be part of that? Um, versus if you're separated from God, how could you not, not be, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so it's just, 
there that's it you're like once you're in you're in you have to get close to it yeah um i can't really make the analysis that i just gave of the whole filling the cracks thing work but the outcome's the same mm -hmm. it really is it's that once once you've been infected with this it closes the gaps permanently yeah i mean yeah he says that the good infection is becoming like stepping into a life with christ because christ is the good infection so we're made we're not begotten but as soon as we step into life with christ we're kind of absorbed into his begottenness mm -hmm. and that's how we become sons of god sons and daughters of god because we're kind of absorbed into jesus yeah and, and it just sort of dawned on me i i think boy shouldn't do this while the tape's running you know i've been on a, a kick lately reading some really challenging books that have really been a, a something i needed right now and and you know one of the questions that that i think a lifelong you know like i don't i mean lifelong meaning multiple decades believer is confronted with sometimes is that you become so comfortable with it that you don't feel like extraordinary movements of the spirit it's as often you know that, that that there are a lot of things that are just really familiar mm -hmm. and and sometimes i know i just sort of go like like lord you know sometimes i'm not sure that i'm doing good enough because if i was it seems like i'd see extraordinary movements of the spirit and it was just kind of occurring to me that you know i, I think a lot of us don't realize how saved we are mm. you know and that's based on what you were just commenting on from from uh, uh, mere Christianity is that, is that you know we've been and 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 again I can go right back to the writings of Paul to get the validation for what I'm trying to say here and that is that you you know once once you've been and not only Paul but but I've been reading a lot of Wesley lately and Wesley got it mm -hmm. is that your assurance comes from the realization that Christ has canceled your sin. Right. It's not an issue anymore. It doesn't mean that you don't occasionally act immorally. It doesn't mean that you don't occasionally do things that discredit your witness as one who's been saved. But in reality, he's canceled out your sin. And that means that you are, by default, connected with God. The, uh, the only thing that's really unfortunate is, is that we don't live into that much. Mm -hmm. And that we don't experience the fullest extent of how much God wants you to be in complete harmony. Yeah. And, you know, everything we do that is of a sin nature, even though that sin itself doesn't count anymore in our against us it doesn't mean that we are being deterred slowed down inhibited whatever by continuing to sin so we want to stop sinning we want to improve every day our relationship with god and the only way to improve your relationship with god is to continue to 
to consciously try to remove those things that are barriers to your relationship with God. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact that you have been allowed into a relationship with God by virtue of Christ's virtue and his act. And you've been invited back into a relationship with God that could not have happened without Christ, apart from Christ. And yet, now that you are seen and experiencing God, you're seen by God, you're experiencing God, you're still limiting the fullness of that relationship with God because of your immoral behavior and your resistance to God's authority over your life and that kind of thing. And that's just really unfortunate because, you know, there's a lot more of what we hope for that we could experience right now mm-hmm. if we would just try a little harder. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's like completely off the top of my head, my friends. <laughs> so here's some uh, extra credit according mm-hmm. to our study guide. Um, for extra credit, which came first, the heavens or the earth? Reading Genesis chapter 1, which came first, the heavens or the earth? Let's see. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's verse 1, Genesis Well, if we're going by the sentence, then heavens was first in the sentence. But it sounds like he did it together. Yeah. And I love this. Uh, This is not clever. I've heard this. I'm not the first person to point this out, but... Here's the most important thing in that first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God. God. (laughs) Like, Like, just stop right there for a second. (laughs) He was there before anything else. In the beginning, God. Now, uh, why is day two of creation the only day not to receive the commendation and God saw that it was good? Ooh, trick question. Let's see. Day two of creation. Let's see if we can figure this out. God said, let there be light. And then God said, let there be an expanse. And let's see. It's not like I'm not familiar with this, but I'm <laughs> trying to race ahead for, so people don't listen to me go. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, anyway, it looks like Uh, separation did not occur. God altered what had already existed, but didn't create anything new. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So So it was still, like, good from the day before. Right. It was formless and all that, and he just kind of fixed it, or or fixed it up. So it was still good. And I mean, really, uh, there's this whole thing called the gap theory. We talked Mm -hmm. about it a lot in the uh, Revelation Bible study and everything. But in the gap theory, the idea is is that there was a time when creation was corrupted by the presence of evil and all of the evil that had escaped God's, not escaped, but rejected God and, Mm -hmm. and been cast out. And so when it says that all of creation was a chaos, that if God created it, then it couldn't have been chaos. But if God created it and then let it go for a little while mm-hmm. and evil took over for a mm-hmm. while, then God 
didn't create the chaos. Evil created the chaos. But then God comes back and he brings order to the chaos. Yeah. So it's like the ultimate fixer-upper. You know, it's it's like uh, flipping the house, that kind of thing. I mean, you go to this wreck of a house mm -hmm. and you start tearing down all the garbage and, and the shrubbery and everything out in front. And then you start going in and renoing the whole thing. And then before long it starts to return and become something new. And I yeah. think, I, so I think that's the gist of that bonus question. So um, let's see. And the last extra credit question is in the creation account, why is the word created the Hebrew, Hebrew bara seen in the creation of the heavens and the earth and the creation of the animal life in Genesis one twenty one? And the creation of the man, Genesis 1.27, used only three times. So how come the word bara, created, is only used three times? Hmm. I don't know. That one is one of those things that once I learn them, I tell everybody I know and they think I'm really clever. Mm -hmm. Well, let's learn together. Okay. According to the author of our Bible study, the best guess is that God used the word bara in these three places. The, the reason God used it there and nowhere else is because God brought something new into God's creation from the outside, which wasn't there before. Hmm. So the author of our study is suggesting that that this particular use of the word creation is a new creation. What was it that he used it? Animals, man, and what? Animals, man, and uh, the heavens and the earth. Hmm. So well, I was just thinking, like animals, man, and if it was for like, like living, like that's all living things. Yeah. Versus like. Creating water. Water gives life, but it's not alive. There are things in water that are alive, like microbes well, and stuff. So I was just thinking, like, just maybe that's why. Going on the gap theory just a little bit. So the first time God uses the Hebrew word bara, and, and I, I know exactly where I want to go with this when we're done recording. Because I have some rabbinical sources that I like to turn to several, not mm -hmm. just the one. <laughs> not just he whose name I do not speak in front of Bethany without raising an eyebrow. I'm joking. It's a, it's a personal joke, my friends. Don't try to figure it out. So anyway, um, the... Uh, I am a fan of a rabbi. Well, you know, my favorite Jewish rabbi is... a. Guy named Jesus. Right, that's my favorite. That's yeah, what I was he, thinking. He's definitely the best Jewish rabbi I've yeah, ever I'm met. A fan. No, I, I, I'm just saying that I will probably run this down because I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Because to really comprehend the Jewish approach to the Bible, particularly the Torah, which is the first five books, you have to understand their reverence for the language itself that there's this enormous reverence for the letters of the alphabet, the construction of the words, mm -hmm. and even the numerical values of the words, because their alphabet also has numer numeric qualities to mm -hmm. it. And, and 
So understanding that makes me really curious about finding out how Jews would interpret this. But according to our Christian author, in the context of mere Christianity and our beloved Jack, what he's saying is, is there's only three places that particular Jewish word for creation, a Hebrew word for creation is used, is he thinks because it's representative of three things that didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. First, the heavens and the earth. But then if there was a gap, then whatever creation looked like in the midst of all that chaos, it didn't have animals and it didn't have people. Mm-hmm. And so that part God created new and placed it in the midst of creation. You know, mm-hmm. so th- that's kind of his interpretation. Well, that's fascinating. And, mm-hmm. and perhaps this will generate some conversation because we are always craving your conversation. And we do delight in hearing from you. We really appreciate it when you write and when you talk to us in person. And so don't hesitate, please, to let us know. And, uh, you know, that you're listening and to talk to us a little bit about what you're thinking and so forth, because it's fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's really our hope that we can be not only um, engaged in conversation with you, but encouraged, quite frankly, by the things that you share. So please consider doing that. And uh, remember that if you want to reach out to us, the quickest and easiest way is to visit Shiloh's website, shilohum.org. That's S-H-I-L-O-H-U-M dot org. And then, you know, consider getting the Shiloh app, which again is probably easier if you just click the link in the web page. And, uh, but you can email us, you can see our pictures, you can, you can interact with us that way. And of course we do have that Facebook group called Knowing God with Heart and Mind. So we hope to see you there. But uh, I think we pretty well covered this chapter and uh, we thank you for listening. We're honored that you give this some of your precious time. Mm -hmm. We ask God's blessings upon you until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.